This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, DGS. Every Tuesday we do the Think Tank, and we have Steve Ellman and Ian Mackey on. Ian is a rep from the Clayton area. Steve, of course, Run St. Charles. You need to talk to Steve or Kevin Clean before you even cross that bridge. Uh, I get permission from Kevin every day. Steve has had a real funny thing. I'm not sure I'm going to translate, but if you picture the studio, I'm in the middle. To my left is Rach. Cross from me is Wheeler. Then there's Ian, and then there's Steve. And Ian is sitting where Steve always sits. And I said, oh, I'm not used to you being there. And Steve says, I'm not used to being on the left. <laughs> Very cute. Uh, okay. Fun's over. We know we're here to talk about to talk about what is happening in Israel, and of course, let's bring it home uh, at least to what we're doing on the federal level and how that affects what's going on in Israel and all other things. Ian, you can lead it off. Sure. Um, I. It's been interesting because I feel I feel a little bit. Um, guilty that I haven't like put anything in writing, but I also am always, I always just roll my eyes when I see folks at my level of elected office putting out their, you know, official statements and they're just have this air of self-importance of here's what I think about this major global issue from, you know, my perch representing 35,000 people in Jefferson city just doesn't really seem to gel, but I've heard from folks um, in my district um, and other, other places that sort of are really looking for people to speak up and say more. And so I mean, I'm happy to do that. I, I thought it was common sense and commonplace, although it appears maybe not as common as I thought to call this what it is, that Hamas is a terrorist organization, that they don't represent uh, the average Palestinian who may have disagreements with the Israeli government. They're a terrorist organization that's terrorizing the state of Israel and wants to wipe them off the face of the map. And that has to be condemned. And that's not Israel's fault. I can't believe that we've got people whether they're an elected office or another an ivory insti- Ivy League institution or somewhere else who would say such a thing. Um, and, and when I started seeing that enter the fray, I felt like I had to say something. So, I mean, I, absolutely, um, you know, this this is 100 uh, percent the responsibility and the fault of Hamas. And Israel has been one of our most trustworthy allies going back to statehood in 1948. And we have to be there for them just as they've been there for us. Steve? Yeah, I agree 100% with Ian that uh, as, as St. Charles County Executive, nobody really cares what my opinion is, and, and I'm not more qualified than anyone else. So I'll speak as a as someone who uh, got a master's degree in, uh, in history at the University of Missouri back in 1975, and my main area was European history, and especially 19th and 20th century Germany. And you have to know the history of Germany and the Holocaust, 
that really understand the history of Israel. Yeah. And I don't know how many young people, you know, really know all those facts. Uh, and given that background and given the, the events that led to the creation of that state, I just I, I just get upset when people uh, give some sort of moral equivalency to the two sides in this dispute. Uh, it's, 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 they're not morally equivalent. And uh, Israel has earned the right to be a, a, a sovereign nation. And uh, the attacks against them are, are terrorist attacks uh, and have to be looked at, looked at in that way. And to look at them any other way, I think, is, uh, is just wrong. I know there are people who look at what happened with Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy, and uh, they think that Matt Gates is a modern-day hero and all this. I, I don't see that at all. I think the whole thing's a clown show. And it's all fun and games until uh, a thousand people are killed and babies are beheaded and people are burned alive. And you need to make moves and you need to uh, get 300 uh, military people and ambassadors into their seats. But uh, Senator Tupperville is holding that up and we don't have a Speaker of the House. The only the only thing about this that could be positive to me is if it shakes America awake on both sides and says, we need to sober up. Thoughts? I wish I wish that were the case, but the first uh, statement I saw from one of our U.S. senators, Eric Schmidt, was criticizing Barack Obama for not saying anything or not speaking up fast enough, right? I mean, immediately out of the gate playing politics. Um, I would like to see that too, Dave, but I don't see a world where that's happening. Um, this is, it, it's it's constant, um, and, and I I mean, I heard you say both sides. I don't think it's both sides. Uh, I think there's adults in the room, and I think there's folks who just would rather play politics. And I think the folks who want to play politics are on the right, and I think the adults in the room are on the left. Um, I, I think what the statement that Biden put out with the other world leaders, with President Macron, with uh, the prime minister in the U.K., I thought that was – I mean, I haven't seen too much criticism of that, and I thought that was right on point. Um, and they're standing together, and I think that's, you know, what we should expect from every leader in elected office. But in the Ian, States. Yeah. If, if it's only uh, on the right, then how do you explain Cori Bush's position? Well, okay, fair enough. But Cori Bush maybe isn't um, in as, <laughs> as much of an influential position um, as, as some of the others mentioned. But sure, fair enough. I mean, I was, she's one of those people that I was alluding to. In Can my, I ask you guys, uh, yeah. is the squad on the left about the same size as the group on the right? No. The, the no, no, no there's four in the left <laughs> yeah. and there's six on the right. Well, <laughs> there's a, well right? I mean, yeah. And, 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 and yes, you don't want to be associated with that. And I don't want to be associated with everything that's happening in the Republican Party in, in Washington, D.C. either. And, and no Republican is ever completely uh, aligned with everything going on in their party. Yeah. Um, when did the Republicans lose the thread? Because my whole life, even before I was politically engaged at all, I had a pretty good sense that the same way that the House of Representatives is the hot house and the Senate is the the mature, you know, this is where uh, things come to be slowed down and we're the adults and you guys are the, the teenagers in the basement having a, a party playing records. And I've always thought of the Democrats as being the teenagers playing the records and you guys suck and you're old and here's the way it should be. And the, the Republicans were like, they're there, kids, one day when you grow up. And somehow it's maybe not flipped, 
But the Republicans have definitely joined the party in the basement. Well, and I think I think what sets up this false equivalency is Nancy Pelosi governed with just as much of a slim majority. Nancy Pelosi had to handle the squad the way Kevin McCarthy had to handle whatever they're calling themselves on the right, the Freedom Caucus or whatever else. Nancy Pelosi did it. She was a leader. She was a leader through an insurrection. She 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 got major policy passed with the the same majority that Kevin McCarthy had. Kevin McCarthy got run out. Um, and it, and apparently they had a, a closed door meeting where they took votes on the other two. And apparently neither of them have a majority. That's not a surprise. It looks like another week without a speaker. That is not that is not something that happened when Nancy Pelosi had a majority of the same size. But that's just uh, evidence of how how much things have gotten worse in the last six to eight years. Uh, and, and I think uh, you got to go back probably 16 or 18 years to see slowly but surely how how the standards of civility have eroded. And I'm not sure. Somebody's going to write a history someday about it. I don't know. I don't know where you start. No um, kidding. Can you even I, imagine? I mean, there was still, when I was in Jeff City uh, in, in the year 2000, uh, there were a few people on, in both parties that were, that were uh, I would call extreme. Um, but, you know, nobody paid much attention to them. And uh, the people on the right center and the left center were the ones who got together and made the sausage. Right. Uh, but it just, I think every year there was just more and more and more. And uh, I agree 100%. Six people in the Republican Party shouldn't be able to shut down the whole process. Yeah. But that's that's what it's come to. Most of us in our personal lives, this certainly applies to me, have gone through a phase in their life where you don't even recognize that person. You know, you're like, I would never do those things today. Whether it's personal, romantic, business, financial, whatever it is, you go through a crazy time. But then hopefully you mature and you grow up and you regret what you did. And you the rest of my life's going to be different. I feel like that's an analogy to where we are in our country. But I'm a little worried that we can pull it back the way that people do in their personal lives, learn from their mistakes and live better. Are you guys still hopeful that in the coming years when our kids and grandkids are our age that, oh, man, we went through a crazy phase back then, but we're better now? Yeah, we have to be hopeful. Um, there's there's no there's no other choice. Um, and, and I am hopeful. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, aside from January 6th, I think a lot of what we're experiencing and facing and dealing with, and I'll leave it to the, the history major, but seems like, you know, not altogether different than what we went through in the late 60s. And with the realignment of the parties and the advancement of civil rights and Lots of things that were brand new um, to everyday Americans and, and needing to, to rethink what we were as a country. That's what we're doing right now. Well, you know, the, when, you, when you talk about the populist, I mean, populism has always or generally been uh, something that happened on the left. Okay. Uh, I didn't know to, that. Yeah. You know, you go back to Huey Long and, and William Jennings Bryan, don't, you know, crucify mankind on a cross of gold and... And they all had their conspiracy theories. You know, they thought, you know, bankers are, are uh, uh, you know, the oil companies were in cahoots to keep the little man down. What's interesting now is you have populism on the right. But I, th I, st I think it's still the same type of person, uh, whether it was on the left before or on the right before. It's, it's, it's people who feel they've been left out, people who feel like uh, uh, things have moved on. And it just ain't like it used to be. And they either uh, want change uh, and make to make it better or they want to go back to the way it was. But I think it's the same impulse in both cases. Uh, you know, change is inevitable and our system is set up to deal with change. 
but we deal with it uh, through compromise in Congress and elsewhere. And uh, we've lost the ability to sit down and, and, and work this out. And as far as, you know, the impact of what's going on in Congress, they really, they really haven't been doing much anyway. So I'm not sure. I hope nothing serious comes up with regard to Israel, where their lack of doing something will actually, uh, will actually hurt that cause. But what do we have going on? We don't have Congress deciding uh, whether or not uh, uh, people who owe the, money, the government money for student loans should repay them or not repay them. We, we've got executive orders, uh, you know, by, uh, by President Biden. When uh, Trump was there, he did the same sort of thing. So most of, the, most of the things that are going on are by executive order, and the Supreme Court has been very good about striking those down in both parties because anybody's read the Constitution know those decisions are supposed to be made by Congress. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I, I do not agree with Dick Cheney's interpretation of the single executory. Going back to <laughs> Dick Cheney and Don Rumsfeld and that whole theory they came up with, that's where this whole executive order madness started. Um, uh, when they started, they're the ones who created that. Um, and absolutely, I agree with you. It, it would be much better. I would much prefer folks work together in Congress. Um, and I agree the appetite for populism might be similar on both sides. The problem is that the appetite for autocracy exists only on one side, I think, and that's really the problem. Let's uh, let's break there. We'll come back with more with the guys. Welcome back, guys. DGS 423 Think Tank with Ian Mackey and Steve Ellman. Ian just had the greatest line of all time. I told him it sounds like a, uh, a Wadsworth novel. He said, I was born in Connecticut and raised in the Ozarks. Isn't that great? I guess. I never, I, it didn't occur to me, I guess, that it was um, such a, an odd thing. It's <laughs> poetic. It it's poetic. <laughs> yeah. And then Steve pointed out it's the opposite of Mark Twain. So interesting. Uh, we're talking about the culpability of both parties. And let me add in uh, my industry, the media, because without the media, uh, I don't think any of this chaos and craziness happens. And here's an example. Uh in the aftermath of the ouster of Kevin McCarthy, and I watched it all. I was fascinated by it. I saw Republicans whose faces I'd never seen before, whose names I'd never heard before, who were very reasonable and rational and were against the ouster and were talking about how we need, you know, moderate Republicans and we need, you know, thinking people and not these these crazy clowns. And I'm like, well— why don't I know your name? Why aren't you on television? Because no one wants that. Because it's not exciting. It's not sexy. People want AOC and people want Gates. And that's terrible. Politics has become a stunt show in both parties. And yeah, you saw a lot of the people that don't do stunts. And some of those people actually work hard on legislation and trying to put things together and actually solve problems. But uh, what's the last time you heard or saw any reporting on those folks. It's, it's the ones who pull the stunts, whether it's Cory Bush or whether it's Matthew Gates. Uh, those are the people. Those are the people that get that are into paper. And those, those are the people everybody's heard of. And, um, boy, I don't know how you stop that. You know, I, I remember 20, what, 20 years ago at least, uh, remember Stossel, uh, the, the, yeah. the libertarian? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, nobody knew him yet, but I, I, I heard him at a fundraiser. And I asked him, I said, you know, we just had an election and half the people in this country are conservative and half are liberal. I said, well, why are all three networks uh, playing to the same, uh, you know, liberal uh, 50 percent? He said, hold on, things are going to change. 
And sure enough, Fox came along. Very interesting. Which initially I thought was a great, uh, uh, was a great uh, step in the right direction. What I've failed to understand about the market is that, you know, once you start doing that, uh, you don't need 50%. And what you end up with is all these little niche markets, okay? And you have people on the right, I don't know about it, the left is if it's the same way, but on the right, you had people creating newer and newer niche markets, each one a little bit more conservative than, than the prior one. And uh, so now you, uh, you know, you can tune in, you can decide ahead of time what you want to hear and, t- and, and tune in and hear it. Because you're going to get exactly what you think you're yeah. going to get. Yeah. Yeah, I got to push back on the both sides a little bit, though. I I really think, I mean, the left calls out our own. I mean, like Richie Torres, I think, was the first one to come out and say, Cory Bush's comments are reprehensible, fellow Democrat in Congress. I mean, we kicked Al Franken out for a picture he had 20 years ago that was inappropriate. I mean, we uh, forget January 6th and autocracy and the things Trump does and still gets thumbs up from Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. It's, that's insanity. Um, we call our people out. We, we, we are not afraid to distance ourselves from folks in our party when they mess up. Wheels, you have a thought? It, it just, it, to me, that division that, that Steve pointed to, it started with the deregulation of cross-media ownership. So it used to be you couldn't own a TV station and a radio station and a newspaper in the same town. You couldn't own a newspaper and a TV network. But those things all got relaxed. They all got changed because big money people wanted to own more of them, which means it all became about profit and not about the mission of delivering news. So what's the, th- what's the way to generate profit on TV and radio? It's ratings. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to do everything that gets attention, that keeps eyeballs on the product. And when that changed, when it went from the decentralized ownership of all of these different newspapers and radio stations and TV stations and networks, went away from that, it became about money, about profit margin, and not about delivering news. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Especially good think tank. From the Queen of England to the house. 439 DGS. So uh, my very good friend Lisa over at the Fox texted me and offered me two tickets to Beetlejuice at uh, the Fox tomorrow, and I can't make it. I'm having dinner with Nick. Uh, But Andrew's going, and that is the Bobert Mm -hmm. musical that she was Mm -hmm. kicked out of. So I'm going to need you to vape, grope, Mm -hmm. and ask people if they know who you are. I'm well known for all three of those. Okay. (laughs) Shouldn't be a problem. I'd love it. That would make me so happy. (laughs) Two thumbs away up. I'm going to be telling security, like, I just thought this was what you were supposed to do. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I saw that lady on TV. The lady was all over the news, I guess. I mean, I didn't read any of the articles, but, you know, I read the headlines. Uh, I walked in after the break, and Wheels and Rachel were having a really interesting discussion. Can you bring that back up? Yeah, Rich just asked about a thing that's kind of made a, a good bit of news in hockey today. So they've the, the focus has been on what's called pride tape. It's just a rainbow-colored tape that you can put on your stick. So as everybody knows who watches hockey, they tape the blade of the stick. They can put tape really anywhere they want for better grip or whatever, but mostly you notice it on the blade. It's, it's black normally, like m- most of them are. But it was one of the things that players could do to show support to the LGBTQ plus community. And this this was a part, but the NHL has banned that now, but not just banned that. They have taken away all special jerseys, patches, anything. So whether it's uh, pride or military or 
anything. No team can have anything as far as specialty um, causes on their uniforms or on their person, on the player's equipment during a game. Um, they said that, and this is the commissioner came at, Gary Bettman said that they ran into some problems last year and it was over pride nights and teams were wearing special pride jerseys in the warmups. They wear their normal ones in the games, but they wear the pride jerseys in warmups and then they auction them off and it raises money for those charities that, that are being supported by that. And they do that same thing with military appreciation night or what, whatever other night you could think of. They're not doing any of those anymore because with direct relation to pride night, there were some players last year that wouldn't do it. And then they got questioned about it and they got heat and it turned into a big controversy. So the NHL has said, look, we're just cutting all of that off. We're not doing, we're not going to do anything with jerseys, equipment, anything else. These are the rules. Nobody's going to be doing any of this stuff. And it's, it's created a bit of an uproar. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, ideally, people would just be able to make their own choice without it being the end of the world. You know, the people that want to support these organizations would be able to wear the jersey and the people that don't want to. Ideally, the public would go, "Okay, well, that's your personal choice. Might not agree with it, might be side-eyeing you a little bit, but it's not going to cause, you know, a meltdown. But... That's what it did, though, yeah. Yeah, but it's 2023, 2022, and I, I guess whenever this was happening... And so it's just the world we live in. I mean, it's tough. It's because, you you know, there are certain things where it's like, well, everyone should be able to agree on X, Y, Z. But then you start bringing in different ideas. And then, like you said, on break, Dave, you're picking winners and losers as far as who you're choosing to support yeah. and not support. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the teams can still do military appreciation night, pride night, whatever other night. You know, they, they also did... Uh, um, I, I, they've done di- different ethnic nights, whatever. They, they've done a lot of it. They, teams can still do that. That's not going to change. That's up to each individual franchise with what they want to do and how, how much they want to do it. It's just that the jerseys and the equipment can't be altered to fit those causes. And some players are are, are uh, bummed out by this. They're, they're not like angry and raging, but they wish they could still choose to use the rainbow tape if they wanted to. Um, and that's what one of them, Connor McDavid's the biggest star in the game. And, you know, what he said was, if you just allowed it, it's one thing for people who want to. Like, if I yeah. want to do it, but nobody has to. Um, and I think they're trying to get, but they, they are just trying to get away from that division that you were describing, Rach, because it, it, it turns into the question, well, why isn't he wearing the pride jersey? He won't do it. Well, why is it? Because he doesn't support this. Uh, one of them was a Russian player uh, who's Russian Orthodox, and he wouldn't do it because he said his religious beliefs don't allow it. Other people felt like he might feel pressure because in Russia, that's very much frowned upon to be, you know, in any way supportive of the LGBTQ plus community. So when you're in, you're in an international sport with people from all over the world, and they, the league, I just think, took the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. which is. We're just not going to do it on any any jerseys or anything like that, and we will find other ways to make it up. So you won't be able to auction off the jerseys to raise money for charity. We will find another way to make that up. Uh, that you know, find a way to to replace those funds. I don't know where I fall <clears throat> between you guys or or, or what, but uh, I do wish that they had the freedom to express themselves as they wanted to. However, I've never liked dressing up professional players in anything. 
I, I just find it creepy. Um, these guys and, and, and women are making millions of dollars and, you know, poor them have to wear a certain color or wear a certain thing. But I don't know. I just never liked it. It feels a bit dehumanizing. Like if they walked in here and said, hey, Dave, you have to wear this Enterprise Bank shirt. Uh, I don't like that. Like they are grown people doing a job. There's no need to dress them up or, you know, make them support a cause they're not comfortable with. I do wish that they had the freedom to do it if they wanted to express themselves. For example, using this, the tape yeah. as an example, right? Yeah. It's not But then you're going to have someone mandatory. who's going to use BLM tape, and then someone's going to have a picture of Trump, and then someone's going to this, and someone's going to that. Uh, so I, my gut reaction is I don't mind them just saying, like, no, we're not going to do any of it. It, it reminds me of like a high school rule or something where it's like, hey, you can't wear hoodies anymore because we told you you couldn't wear hoodies with writing and people or you know what I mean? Like, it's just like mm -hmm. no one gets to do it now. Never mind. No one gets to do it. So that feels a little. Mm. Yeah. And like I said, I wish it was I just wish it was more accepted for everyone to make their own choice without it being. Oh, so you clearly have an agenda between behind this. That's. But that's just the world we live in. So yeah. I guess it's wishful thinking. I mean, it, the reality of it is that that's the environment that led to this. Because somebody choosing to not do it turns into a controversy. And it, and it turns into that player. And I'm not saying I feel bad for anybody because you're a professional athlete. You're a grown-ass man. You can, you, can, you can handle questions or whatever. Um, but it's it's... It shouldn't, it doesn't have to escalate like that. You know, if there's 25 guys on the ice and 24 are doing it, the fixation shouldn't be on the one guy who's not. Are we still bringing championship teams to the White House and are people still refusing to go? Is that still a thing? I remember when, when Trump was in office, people were saying, I'm not going in. Or I think it started with Obama, actually. Oh, it, it, I'm sure it happened. I, well, I don't remember it if it, ha if it happened before that. I think there were some that didn't, um, at least for Bush. I'm not sure about Clinton. Um, it's still a thing, but I don't think it's a regular thing. They are still doing that. I really. What wish about they the kneeling in the NFL? I've been watching an NFL game all year. Yeah. No, I don't think I, if it's happening, it's not getting any attention, and I don't think it is happening. I think it was a point. They were making a point. In fact, I, if I remember right, they came to an agreement, the union and the league, that in exchange for putting messages in the end zones and allowing patches on uniforms and things and doing more, spending more money on causes – Right, yeah. going straight to charities that they were just going to stop doing that, um, but it, the whole thing, it never changed a thing about the sport. I mean, it became a big controversy, but in the end, the same number of people that were watching then are watching now, and nothing has really changed in that regard. Yeah. Thanks everybody for their Halloween submissions. If you have a scary story you'd like to be on the show the week of Halloween, simply go to djshalloween at gmail dot com. You guys want to. Really scary fun fact. Yes. This is going to blow you away. Joe Biden was born closer to Abraham Lincoln's second inauguration than he was to his own. <laughs> it's hopeless. Yeah. Let that settle in. We should straight up record that and put it on the DGS Halloween special because you're right. That, that is, is scary. That is scary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.